0: Please open the Word of God this morning to the 15th Psalm, Psalm 15. In this short Psalm, we have a description of the character of the citizens of Zion as the Jews' introduction to it is above the Psalm, for those of you that have those introductions. This is a description of the character of those that are God's true children and who shall be in heaven. And it provides a very different description than it was commonly taught in, from easy believism pulpits. And we want to humble ourselves before this description and then we'll look at a comparison of it in the New Testament as well. For the glory of God and His Word, let's stand together as we read this psalm in unison. Psalm 15. <laughs> together. Lord. Lord. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Amen and amen. You may be seated. A simple psalm. Two questions open it as to who will be with the Lord and in His holy hill of Zion. For New Testament believers, that holy hill of Zion is heaven. Who is going to be with the Lord in heaven? Two questions are asked, and the answer is given in the last sentence of the fifth verse, where it says, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Nothing's going to happen to the man that does these things. He will be in the holy hill of Zion with the Lord. Now in between verses 1 and 5, we have a list of character traits of righteous men. They walk uprightly, they work righteousness, they speak the truth from their hearts. It says they don't backbite, they don't do evil to neighbors, they don't take up a reproach, Against a neighbor. They contemn. They condemn vile persons. They honor them that fear the Lord. They make a difference in their friends and associates. And they swear, but they always keep their word, no matter if it may cost them. They don't put their money out to poor people to usury, and they don't take reward against the innocent. It goes through this list of character traits of righteous men. It's very different from what many of us were taught. And that is the easy believism that as long as you've made a decision, that's all the essential matter between a person and God and their destiny in heaven. And yet, while I'm preaching to you higher ground, we can't stop and rest on faith toward God and repentance toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to press way beyond that to lists like this that tell us the true character of God's children. I hope you'll remember this psalm. It is so simple, you can understand it easily. Two questions and an answer. And in between, a list of the things that need to be done to give the evidence of eternal life. The real evidence of eternal life is not a day you made a decision. It's not a day you were baptized. It's not a day you joined a church. The real evidence of eternal life is a changed life that does these kind of things. And so we understand Psalm 15 since it's so simple. Let's look now at Second Peter chapter 1 for a New Testament counterpart to that 15th Psalm. And if you were able to read the preparatory material last night, you read Second Peter chapter 1. And I want to show you the similarity in language again. He that doeth these things shall never be moved, is what Psalm 15 ended with. And we'll see similar words right here. Now, there in Psalm 15 was a list of character traits. Here's a list of character traits. They begin at verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence. How much effort should be applied to this matter? Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. There's eight things. Now watch the use of the word things in verses 8, 9, and 10. Verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Knowing Jesus Christ changes men's lives. These things ought to be in our lives. If these things be in you and abound. And that's what we're here today for, especially in our first service, to be reminded of these things and to abound in them. That was verse 8, mentioning things that we ought to do. And we ought to give all diligence to doing them. Verse 9, But he that lacketh these things... A person that says he's a Christian but doesn't have those eight things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He's not looking toward heaven which is far off and establishing himself with the evidence of eternal life. He's forgotten that Jesus died for him. Because if a person really grasps and embraces the fact that the Lord Jesus died for us, these things we want to give back to Him. Then verse 10, Wherefore the rather, that word rather is there to say, we don't want to be like the man in verse 9. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Now notice the words, For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the true gospel. It does not rest on a decision, a baptism, church membership, even ministry. It rests on the character of a changed life. Those words are so weighty in the last part of verse 10. If ye do these things, ye shall never fall. This is how we lay up and store a good foundation against the time to come. We can't earn our way to heaven. Are you kidding? Our best righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. But these are the things that are the evidence of eternal life. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it's called laying up a good foundation against the time to come. You know, in one sense, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's only one foundation that can be laid, which has been laid and it is Christ Jesus. From a legal standpoint, He's the only one that can pay for our sins. But from a practical standpoint, we can lay up a foundation every day of our lives with the evidence of eternal life. This is how you make your election sure to yourself. You know, when someone asks, how do you know you're one of God's elect? Turn them right here to this passage, because it tells you how by doing those eight things. The first was faith. And we want to go way beyond faith. We want to add to faith virtue. The virtue, knowledge, and so forth. But those words at the end of 10, if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. In Psalm 15 it was, if ye do these things, ye shall never be moved. They are so good passages for each other as cross-references explaining the character of God's elect, explain the character of those that go to heaven. Because that 11th verse said, for so... That little adverb so means in this way, for in this way an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. We want an abundant entrance into heaven. We don't want to sneak through a cracked door. We want an abundant entrance as the angels fling open the place and invite us in and we hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It is very common today That these things that we've had read to us, who's going to be with the Lord in the holy hill of Zion? Who's going to have an abundant entrance? It's based on a decision. But these two passages tell us it's not a decision. These passages tell us it's not a profession. John would write in 1st John 2, 4, he that saith, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. Brethren, we are here today because we want to hear the sober truth of God's Word. And we cannot comfort ourselves with something done in the past. We must be bearing this fruit. It's not faith alone. The devils have faith alone. But they don't have faith with works. And we want to add to our faith these things listed. It's not hearing God's Word. It's being a hearer and a doer, according to James 1. It's not feelings. So many people feel this way and feel that way. But look, at there's no feelings in this passage. There's no feelings in Psalm 15. It's the character traits, the works of righteousness, the doing what is right that God expects of us. It's not looks. You know, we can come in here and wear whatever suits we choose, but that doesn't make us a Christian. What makes us a Christian and shows that we're true Christians are these things listed. It's not a ceremony. It's not a ritual. It's not baptism. It's not giving. It's not getting in the ministry. It's none of those things that are listed here. It is all moral character of how we live each day. I hope that you'll remember these passages and keep them together in your minds if you write cross-references in your Bible. Beside 2 Peter 1.10 should be Psalm 15. Beside Psalm 15, verse 5, should be 2 Peter 1.10. The list of things that we ought to do. And we're here because when we step out of this place and go out into the world, we do not get a reminder of the things we ought to be doing to lay hold of eternal life. And that's why we're here. We want to reach for higher ground. And today, this is the higher ground the Lord has shown us. And that is that we want to bear the fruit of His Spirit and do it abundantly. Let us pray. Holy Father in heaven, Thou art righteous and just and perfect in all Thy ways. And Thou hast every right to lay before us any list of things that You would have us to do in order to please Thee more. We thank Thee that in our King James Bibles, there are lists given, like the two we have just looked at, O Lord, that You expect from us, and that You tell us to give all diligence to these things, and that if we do these things, we shall never be moved, but we shall have an abundant entrance into your everlasting kingdom. Now, Holy Father, we freely confess that if it were not for your grace changing our lives first, we would not have the least interest nor the least power to do any of these things. But we have both. You have worked in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And it is our privilege and our honor to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Heavenly Father, bless us this day. We're thankful to be in your house. We're thankful to have an understanding of the word of God and what we do not yet understand. And Lord, there's plenty. Show it to us. Oh, Lord, we want to learn of thee. Show us your will. For our lives, show us your will for this church. Forgive us, Heavenly Father, where the things of Psalm 15 or the things of Second Peter 1 have not been evident and consistent and mighty in our lives. And bless us by your grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we will gird up the loins of our mind and that we will be strengthened in our new man that we will do these things and bear this fruit abundantly. Let us never be guilty of neglecting or forgetting that Jesus Christ the Lord died for us. Without His death we are nothing. Heavenly Father, if You should mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? But we thank Thee that there is forgiveness with Thee, that Thou mayest be feared. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for forgiving us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless us in this assembly by the working of your Holy Spirit in the preaching of the Word and in the reading of it that we will have an increase in our faith, that we will be convicted of our sins and foolishness, that we will be led to the paths of righteousness and that you will make us go therein. Heavenly Father, we pray for all your churches and servants and saints in every place around the earth. Bless them in every way that we ask for ourselves this day. We pray for our nation. We confess its terrible sins and its neglect in turning its back on thee. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for our leaders, for whom we give thanks that you have blessed us with the greatest nation on earth, and we are thankful for it, and we are thankful for them, but we pray for them, and we supplicate and intercede on their behalf, because the the most of them will not seek thee this day, but we seek thee for them, and we pray that you will protect them, bless them, and give them wisdom to lead this nation, that we, your people, might be protected within her. Heavenly Father, for every good thing that we have, we thank thee. We thank thee that we live in the upstate of South Carolina and all the blessings of this place on earth. We thank you for the rain that is falling outside to water the earth and to bring forth food for the sower and the eater. We are blessed abundantly. We're thankful for the health and strength to sit in your house at this time. We are thankful for religious freedom to do so without fear of reprisal or punishment. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the Word of God that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Bless us today to preach it plainly and to believe it wholly and to go out of this place to serve Thee better than we have before. It is in the name, which is above every name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we offer up this prayer and ask for your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.